Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Damian Lee, all goes into a three. It's up again. Damian Lee hit it. It's time. Time, time, time for Warriors This Week. Curry off a series of drag screens. Top of the key. Three. Are you kidding me? All right, we welcome you in. Good Saturday morning to you. John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason for the next three hours here on 95.7 The Game. 888-957-9570. That is the phone number to give us a call or shoot us a text. Uh, I know there's a lot going on in the sports world, including uh, rounds four through seven of the NFL draft. The 49ers are going to be on the clock a uh, number of different times throughout the, the morning here, Whitey, when, when we're on the air. So we'll do our best to pass along uh, what the 49ers are doing as far as the draft goes, uh, even while we talk Warriors basketball. And, uh, Whitey, we now know, uh, fast and furious, who the Warriors are going to be playing. They're hopping on a plane this afternoon. I'm hopping on a plane this afternoon, and it's uh, the Dubs and the Grizz at 12.30 Pacific tomorrow, game one of the Western semifinals. Yeah, J.D., uh, good morning. Good to be with you. There was a, a widespread belief heading into this postseason that the playoffs, the NBA playoffs, were wide open. And I don't think that was true in the first round, as you well know. Uh, all eight of the top seeds advanced. The lower seeds, if you will, won only 11 games combined in the eight first-round series. We had some exciting games, and we had some some drama, no question. But my point is now the playoffs start, and the Warriors-Grizzlies shape up as – I think the most exciting, watchable, perhaps the most important second-round series of them all, and to borrow one of your terms, J.D., I think there's no question this has a chance to be the juiciest series of them all as well, and I can't wait for it to get started, and I'm envious of you going back to Memphis to be there for uh, the first couple games of the series. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I know we're going to have Warriors wrap-up tomorrow after the game. I'll be at FedEx Forum, and uh, it, it, it's just going to be great. We did it last week in, in Denver and and had a blast doing it and uh, obviously this show for the remainder of of the playoffs as well and yeah the Grizzlies last night in Minnesota able to polish off the Timberwolves with yet another fourth quarter comeback they beat uh Minnesota 114 to 106 but they outscored the Timberwolves 40 to 22 in the fourth quarter to come back they were down 10 going to the fourth quarter Timberwolves led by as many as 13 in that game but as was the case in that series, the Grizzlies looked vulnerable at times. Maybe even going into last night's game, you could make the case that the Timberwolves had been the better team for more minutes in the series. That may have been true even last night. But at the end of the night, uh, the Grizzlies were able to, to prevail and prevail four games to two in a series where, man, the Timberwolves have got to be thinking they, they maybe won that series five to one, but they really mm -hmm. lost it four to two. Yeah, I saw a note that the Grizzlies outscored Minnesota in the fourth quarter during the series by 62, 
which I believe is the most all time in any playoff series. Mm. So certainly Minnesota, yeah. You know, the old Heimlich, their new logo should be the Heimlich maneuver. <laughs> uh, but ja, it was interesting, Jaw after the game saying, and I think we all saw this, he said, we, we got to play better in the second round. Uh, Jaw, by the way, uh, he was four for 20 from the three-point line in this series. So clearly we know some of the things the Warriors are going to want to do and need to do, and I know we'll be talking about those today. So, yeah, uh, the Grizzlies get the win, but definitely look very vulnerable in the process. Yeah, they, they did, and look, you. this is a matchup that I think it seems has been destined to, to happen at some point, really since the very early part of the season when it, it did look like the Grizzlies were going to go on to have one of the more special seasons in their franchise history. The Warriors were off to such a great start early. The Grizzlies, I know, were one of the teams that were able to beat the Warriors in those first 20 games, uh, beating the Warriors uh, inside Chase Center early on. And, you know, I remember Draymond Green saying right before the the Christmas holiday when the Grizzlies came back in, even though the Warriors were shorthanded, he put a lot of uh, importance on on trying to get a win against the Grizzlies in that game back on on December the the 23rd because he believed that, that they needed to send a little bit of a message after the Grizzlies had played the Warriors so tough at the end of last year, eliminated the Warriors in the playing tournament. He thought even a game where the Warriors were 25-6 and six going into it, they needed to come through in a big-time way, uh, and, and that was the, the, the lone victory for the Warriors in the four matchups uh, this season, that game back uh, on, on December the 23rd. Thought it was very interesting that, that Draymond really went out of his way to put a lot on that one regular season game very early before the calendar even flipped to 2022. Given that throughout the playoffs, generally officials have been calling the games tighter, you know, and we've seen some periods in certain games where they've let things go a little more. But for the most part, and you can look it up, they've they've called more fouls. I think that's going to be one of the keys here because we know the Warriors, they foul a lot. We know Memphis is very physical. Perhaps that's something that, you know, as happens in the playoffs, it shifts uh, depending on where the games are played. But that's going to be an absolute key, how much the officials are going to allow. And I also think, J.D., this is kind of down the list of priorities, but I think it's it's on the list for the Warriors, uh, given how physical the series is going to be. They're going to have to do a better job from the free throw line. They shot just uh, – I think they barely shot a little over 70% in the first round. I know a lot was made of Steph and his struggles – uh, and, you know, you got to figure, well, he'll, he'll figure that out. But he wasn't the only one struggling. So uh, I know there are a lot of other uh, important things to talk about. But one thing I've noticed here and, and thought about, the Warriors, given how physical the series is going to be, they're going to have to do a better job from the free throw line in this series. They, they are. And I think who gets to the free throw line, can the, can the Warriors – contain themselves defensively without putting Memphis on the free throw line a lot. I know the Grizzlies can can get to the free throw line. They attack the basket. And I think as you just start to look at this matchup, size and length on display for the Grizzlies. But they also have, I, I know I've talked a little bit about this with Steiny, a you know, potentially unguardable player. Uh, for, for the Warriors, John Morant has been very difficult with the way he's able to attack the rim and who guards John ja Morant? Uh, the Warriors now with Klay Thompson back. Steph Curry, of course, in the fold. What do the Warriors do with the starting lineup? Is Jordan Poole going to be uh, a part of it when the ball is tipped tomorrow at 1230? But who do the Warriors 
put on John Morant to try and, and contain him? Uh, and, and could Gary Payton II be somebody that has to be deployed against him, although he won't be out there, obviously, at the start? Yeah, that brings us to that X-Factor conversation. And I just want to point out, two weeks ago, I think it was on this show, we were talking about X-Factors in the Denver series. And there was somebody, I think a texter, and I'm sorry, I don't know the name of the texter, but someone said uh, DeMarcus Cousins. And I know I said, you know, I think the Warriors are going to be okay with DeMarcus. They're probably going to play him off the floor. But especially in the last game. Yeah, DeMarcus with, what, 19 in in the last game, and I know Fitz even said during the telecast of the last game, he said, DeMarcus Cousins is an X-factor. So tip of the cap to whoever suggested that. But I think you're right. Um, GP2 shapes up as a real X-factor here. Um, and, and the whole issue with him, you know, fans ask, they, people ask me, they probably ask you, we all wonder sometimes, huh, as good as he is defensively, why isn't GP2 on the floor more? And I think a lot of it is the Warriors just don't know that he has the offensive game really to put pressure on other teams. He's more of an opportunistic scorer, and he certainly has had his moments. In the last series, I think he made six out of eight three-pointers. So if he can continue to do that, yeah, he's a guy to guard jaw, probably best equipped to guard jaw. And the thing with jaw, I mentioned he didn't shoot the ball well from – three-point line you know it, that's why it's so important JD as you well know to for the Warriors to shoot a high percentage because if you can force jaw into the half court where he's walking it up he's much more easy to contain if you're turning the ball over you're missing shots they're get out and running um, you know you want to give him a lot of room but he's when he's in transition you can't do that so he's such uh, a force in transition that's one of the keys to the Warriors as well is to shoot a high enough percentage to force Memphis into the half court that makes it easier to guard jaw no matter who it is that's guarding him he's Whitey Gleason I'm John Dickinson 888-957-9570 888-957-9570 as we're with you until noon here on 95.7 the game how you feeling about the Warriors Grizzlies matchup they're going to get this things started real quick tomorrow afternoon for game one game two going to be on Tuesday and then a little bit of a break uh, as no games for three days but as the series will shift from Memphis to the Bay Area and San Francisco game three not going to be until a week from tonight and then it goes every other day uh, Saturday Monday Wednesday for a game five the following week Friday and if there is a game seven back in Memphis It'll be on Monday the 16th, so there would be two days off in between Game 6 and Game 7 if this series goes the distance. Uh, but y- you look at it, and I think you know, there are TV slots to be filled. This is an ABC game tomorrow. I know a lot of folks were wondering, like, what is going on here as far as the, the afternoon game tomorrow? And that's the prime slot tomorrow. There's two games. It's it's Boston and Milwaukee game one. It's the Warriors and the Grizzlies game one. The way the NBA slots it out. And, and they gave Boston and Milwaukee the same deal that the Warriors and Grizzlies have where they're playing Sunday, Tuesday, and then they get a three-day break. So what the league will do in these situations, and they do it in the conference finals, Whitey, as well, is they'll they'll move up the start to fill specific TV slots. But then after the first two games, they give – the teams an opportunity to to rest up essentially for the the long haul and the grind of a series they they make you pay it forward a little bit but then they give you a little bit back as the final two to five games of the series shakes out yeah you mentioned Steiny, and I know Steiny mentioned this uh, with goo on their show this week as far as that schedule goes the Warriors uh, with an opportunity 
uh, to grab one. This is a huge advantage potentially for the Warriors to be playing Memphis, uh, you know, Sunday when they just played last night. So the Warriors should have a golden opportunity to get home court back uh, in game one. But I want to ask you, J.D., you mentioned the starting lineups. We're not sure yet who's going to start. A lot of people have been saying this week, and I understand it, a lot of basketball people have been saying as we just, you know, try to figure out who was starting, who, who's coming off the bench. People have said, really smart people, you know, it doesn't matter who starts, it's, it matters who finishes. I get that, and I know that's true, but I do think in this case it matters for the worst because of Jordan Poole, given that historically, no matter what he thinks or, you know, how he processes it, he's just played better as a starter. So, you know, when we discuss that and people say, oh, it doesn't matter who starts, I think in this case it may because he's been at times a much better player. Um, I, I, it, you know, it's going to be totally different, perhaps, as far as the lineup goes against Memphis. And I, I'm not saying Jordan Poole's terrible necessarily when it comes off the bench. And obviously he struggled the last couple of games. But that's why I think to me, that's why it matters specifically for this team. It's not just a matter of who gets introduced, but Jordan Poole makes it more relevant as far as who's starting because he has been at times a better starter than a guy coming off the bench. Yeah, that's a key question coming in into this series, what do the Warriors do as far as the the starting lineup? They sort of kick the can down the road as far as Curry came off the bench for the first four games of the Denver series, and then he winds up going back into the starting lineup. I thought, and we talked about this on Sunday, that Steph was definitely going back into the starting lineup for Game 5. It was a a good thing that they did put him back in the starting lineup, I think, Mm -hmm. for Game 5. Uh, but you you run through it, Whitey, and I I thought they would they would do what they did and take Kevon Looney out. Kind of changed my tune a little bit because it was mid series. Play that best lineup, or at least the lineup that had been the best lineup, a- as much as possible. Start with it. I did think it was a little clunky though the way that 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 played out with Kevon Looney basically being the first sub in for Jordan Poole in each half. It was almost as if. It was almost as if it was done to to maybe placate feelings a little bit more than to put the best mm. group on the floor. It, it had that tone to me because they so quickly went to Looney and, and essentially played the starting five that, that they would have played, and then Poole would come back in later. That That's probably too strong of a statement. I'm sure that's not what it was, but it just it didn't make as much sense the way the rotation worked out. Uh, in the moment, I thought the Warriors were a little bit out of sync in that game, maybe because of the the change. Now it worked out. Steph Curry was was incredible, and really he and Gary Payton the uh, second and the Warriors defense and just tenacity were able to be enough for them to to close out the Nuggets. Yeah, if the Warriors, um, you know, if they play the whatever we want to call it here, the the lineup without a decent nickname. You know, they, they've had a lot of success with that, as we know, but uh, it's a very small lineup. Uh, Rebounding-wise, That you could, could have problems uh, against a Memphis team that's a good offensive rebounding team. The interesting thing about Poole and Ja, we keep talking about Ja and, and Poole, of course. We're going to talk about them a lot through this series. Don't you think, J.D., when Poole's on the floor on defense and Ja is on the floor for Memphis – they're going to go after. They're going to try to get whatever switch they can to get pool on jaw. And the Warriors will be doing a lot of the same thing in the half court uh, against jaw. They'll be trying to attack him. So to a degree, both teams will be trying to hide those guys uh, defensively. But it's going to be one of the absolute keys to the series, the extent to which 
uh, they can compromise each other and go after their weakest players uh, defensively. That's that's where the chess match deal comes into play and how much can the Warriors get away with playing that lineup they love to play against the Grizzlies. We don't know yet, as well as that lineup played against Denver, how successful will they be against Memphis. We just have to wait and see. No, we, we don't know, and I think both teams want to play fast. The Grizzlies do like to, to play extremely fast. The Grizzlies do have more size in this series. Uh, d- does Steven Adams become a factor at all in this series? He was a, a non-factor uh, in, in the last series. And, you know, can the Warriors, I think, play – can the Warriors avoid fouling and avoid the turnovers, right? It always seems mm-hmm. to come back to, to those two things and not get eviscerated on the boards, which was something else that at times in, in the series against Denver, the Warriors struggled with both in Game 4 and in Game 5, at least until the fourth quarter of Game 5. So it's it's all of the same weaknesses for as good and great as this Warriors team is that they're going to have to to mitigate and play to their strengths if they're going to beat this this Grizzlies team that 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 I think was in part more vulnerable against Minnesota because they still are in a point in their trajectory Whitey to where they're learning how to win a playoff series that was the first playoff series that that group had won together and I think anytime you go through that for the first time it's just different, and I think there were times where he didn't. I think there were times where the Grizzlies didn't. They just looked like a very young team trying to a very young, talented team trying to plod their way through, and it it, it didn't always look right. It kind of reminded me of the Warriors in a, in a way back when they beat the Nuggets in in two thousand and thirteen, where unbelievably talented team, but but had a very difficult time closing out that that Nuggets team. Uh, and and I think that's just it, it, it. I think they're gonna play better, is what I'm getting at against the Warriors more confidently against the Warriors than than they did more comfortably than they did against Minnesota, which can be kind of a sneaky tough matchup. Well, that could speak to something we've seen with the Warriors over the years. Some teams, and the Warriors are kind of beyond all this now, but some teams are more comfortable as an underdog. And I know Memphis won more games, but in a sense against the Warriors. Uh, with their championship pedigree, Memphis will be more of an underdog. Uh, and I think some teams are more comfortable with that role than they are as, wow, we're the two seed, we got to win this. But uh, you raise it, what to me is a really interesting point, because I've read or heard or both during this series with Minnesota, some have said, well, Minnesota, they're just too young. They don't know how to win these games. And you look it up, I mean, the two teams are basically the same age. If you go back and I checked, you know, the uh, average age of players on the roster before the season started, they were almost the same age. So, you're right. Memphis, very young, too, and they're still uh, figuring all this out as well. But I think a lot of basketball people are picking the Warriors for that reason, the fact that they have more experience. I saw in The Athletic, you know, they have a deal with with each series. They ask a scout, a coach, and an executive for their picks, unnamed scout, unnamed coach, unnamed executive. The scout, whoever this is, went Warriors in five. The coach went Warriors in seven. The executive, Warriors in six. And one of the things – that uh, some of those people cited was, yeah, the, the Warriors just have so much playoff experience, and Memphis is still, to your point, they're still figuring a lot of this out. Very talented, and they pose some matchup issues with the Warriors, but as we saw uh, against the Minnesota Timberwolves, Memphis is still figuring their way through some of this playoff stuff. Yeah, they, they definitely are, and I think that's where the Warriors, maybe the experience advantage, at least among the, the, the star players, can 
help the Warriors navigate their way? I think in particular, uh, the the big pivot points of this series, I think that's where the Warriors do have an advantage with the experience of, of the star players. Game one, I think, is is the game to go steal if you're the Warriors. I typically think game one is the game to go steal in general if you're the team without home court advantage. I think the way that this lays out with the Warriors more rested, with the Grizzlies coming off a a highly emotional series, and they're going to have to play that game uh, essentially about 38, 39 hours after uh, the, the game that they just won last night in Minnesota, I think they're vulnerable. I think a game one at home, sometimes a team can be a, a little bit tight. And so I think I, I think game one's the one to steal. I think the other pivot point moments in a, in a series, you know, right in the middle in, in game four, if you have a, a series that can go one way or the other with a, a team having an opportunity to get a 3-1 lead, and I think if it goes seven as well, that's where the Warriors – have an advantage with the veterans and the championship experience among the star players. Now, the Warriors still have uh, some of their role players that haven't necessarily been through it, but I think the those that, that did go through it for the first time against Denver, for the most part, played very well. Gary Payton II, uh, older He's he's a veteran in terms of age. He's he's not maybe in terms of experience. Jordan Poole, the first three games, uh, he was exceptional. Uh, so I think it's you know those two specifically really did make a, a positive impact as as that series went on. I think that Memphis is going to regret having traded Valanciunas, given what, you know how well he played against the Warriors last year. But you mentioned Stephen Adams, and I think he still may be in. COVID protocol, so I don't know when he's going to be ready to go. I don't know when he's ready, whether Memphis is going to play him much because they had been starting Tillman even before, I believe, before right. Adams. Yeah, um, and, and in game the, the game five, I think it was, Memphis's big comeback with Josh Gorn, that layup at the end. When Jaron Jackson fouled out, Memphis went really small. They went small. They brought in Tyus Jones. So I think this is going to be a really fun series because I think we're going to see two athletic uh, teams who go smaller going at each other. Memphis is still probably bigger, but Jaron Jackson is going to be one of the keys to this series. Uh, he's a really good player. He had 18 last night, but he was in foul trouble the whole series against Minnesota. It seemed like he started every game with two fouls. So if he can stay on the floor and be effective, and he's a really good sh- uh, rim protector, that's going to make a huge difference. If the worst can get him in foul trouble, and he just gets himself in foul trouble, that I think is going to be one of the absolute keys to this series, Jaron Jackson, and whether he can stay on the floor or not. Yeah, getting him off the floor really gives the Warriors uh, an opportunity, I think, to to make some hay. Uh, if he isn't on the floor, uh, who's going to be playing a, a big role? Is it the same rotation? Does Jonathan Kaminga potentially have more of a role in this series with more wing players being available to play? I know the Warriors were able to get Kaminga into the series in some meaningful minutes in, in Game 4, had a short stint in, in Game 5. And I think he has the potential to be somebody that, that, that may have to play more, especially if Andre Iguodala is going to find his way out of the rotation. And it, and it sounds like Iguodala could be out. I know he's going to get reevaluated, I think, in the middle of the week. So he's, he's out for the first couple of games. Can he come back at some point and make an impact in the back end of this series? We'll have to see. But the Warriors are going to have to get the, the jump uh, on this thing against the Grizzlies without Iguodala, which does, in theory, free up a rotation spot for Steve Kerr. Now, I know Steve Kerr said a couple of times that he that just because there's a, an opening doesn't mean that 
there has to be a different player necessarily plugged in there instead of a 10-man rotation. Maybe it's a nine-man rotation instead of nine. Maybe it's eight. Uh, and typically, as series go on, rotations tighten a, a little bit. But I do think Jonathan Kaminga at times could get uh, a little bit of an opportunity as well, more than he did, more quickly than he did uh, in the first round series against Denver. To that point, J.D., would you agree with me that to a degree here, especially these first two games in Memphis, I think the Warrior bench is on the spot. You go back to game four in Denver, and I know I think Steph was still technically coming off the bench then, uh, but if you took him out, they didn't get a lot out of their bench. And even in the last game, they're back home, and we know it's easier for us, Shaq calls them the others, to play better at home. But even back home when the Warriors clinched, um, Gary Payton second had a, he was six for eight, but other than that production off the bench was a little spotty. I know Otto Porter jr. Didn't play especially well. So it's one of the things I'll be looking at and, and looking for, especially as I say, the first two games in Memphis, whereas could use a little more production, uh, off the bench. I think, how about you? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Otto Porter's got to make shots. I know Bielitsa didn't, didn't exactly shoot the ball. Well, he had his moments in the first couple of games, didn't play as the, as the series went on. Uh, but Gary Payton, the second offset it. I mean, I think they mm-hmm. do need, mm-hmm. they just, they do need offense from, from those, from those players uh, because it can't all be for a seven game series only on Steph and Clay and, and to a certain extent, Jordan Poole. We saw as the Warriors didn't shoot the ball as well as that series went on Whitey, it just became more and more difficult. I know it's an oversimplification, but uh, you know the Nuggets hit more threes than the Warriors in Game Four. That was the one game that, that that the Nuggets won, and the Warriors have been when they don't outshoot their opponent from three during the season. Didn't happen a lot, but when it did, the Warriors were extremely vulnerable immediately. So for all of the conversation about size and 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 depth and and all of these different things, when the Warriors win, they win usually because they out-hit their opponent from three, and then we kind of figure out the other things that they did well along the way that, that also helped them get the win. Like it's, it, Anytime you look at it, like we can go through, all right, they did these five things well, and this guy played well, and there's kind of platitudes across the board. But the first and maybe most important thing typically is, oh, wow, the Warriors, out, uh, the Warriors uh, hit 16, 17 threes and the opponent hit 13 or 12 or six in the case of the game five yeah. uh, against Denver. Yeah, um, I know a lot of Warrior fans understandably were upset that Jordan Poole didn't, wasn't really a factor in the most improved player. To me, the guy that I would have voted for was not a finalist either, Desmond Bain, speaking of three-point shooting. Man, that guy's a good player, and he's a really good three-point shooter. So he's another guy the Warriors have to worry about, and I thought he did a really good job of taking advantage of all the focus uh, Minnesota defensively put on Jaw and Desmond Baines. He's a knockdown knockdown shooter. So going forward, that'll absolutely be one of the keys. And I, I thought it was a little surprising. It's understandable, but surprising. The extent to which the Warriors struggled with closing out, and uh, you know, Coach Kerr talked about it, Game four and game five. And I think Steph even addressed it after game five. Just the pressure of uh, the anxiety of, wow, we got a chance to close this out. And I think it speaks to how how enormous this opportunity is for the Warriors to actually contend and compete for another title this year after all they've been through since Durant left. And I think they're really feeling a little anxiety over, man, we got a chance to do this. That surprised me. It's understandable. And I'll be anxious to see 
how the Warriors are coming into this series against the Memphis Grizzlies? Because both teams obviously are going to be trying to set the tone from the opening tip uh, tomorrow in game one. All right, he's Whitey Gleason. I'm John Dickinson. Phone line's open, 888-957-9570. We're with you until noon here as uh, the Warriors and Grizzlies set to go. How you feeling about the Warriors coming off of the clinching game against Denver? Uh, are there some concerns with the way the Warriors finished that series? It wasn't always pretty the last couple of games, but the Warriors were able to grind it out. And uh, is tomorrow the game to steal if you're Golden State, uh, a more rested team, even going to Memphis than the Grizzlies will be having closed out Minnesota last night in Minneapolis? Uh, 888-957-9570. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Phone calls, text messages, it's all coming up here. J.D. and Whitey, Warriors this week at 95.7 The Game. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason, 888-957-9570. Warriors and Grizzlies, game one of the Western semifinals tomorrow afternoon, 12.30 tip right here on 95.7 The Game. But Warriors Live comes your way at 11. And uh, I'll be in Memphis at FedEx Forum, the 925 and the Xfinity Mobile 
text line, uh, JD, are you leaving after today's show? Yes, leaving after today's <laughs> show later this afternoon. Uh, I, I may or may not, Whitey, be going from Oakland to Salt Lake to Atlanta to Memphis. Oh, but uh, oh, that's lovely. Either, oh, either way, I'm going to get there, and I'm going to get there in time <laughs> to be on the air for Warriors Live tomorrow, Whitey. JD, may I throw out a question, kind of a rephrasing in a way of some of the things you, you – uh, You've already thrown out there, but with your permission, sure. may I toss out? A, okay, and it, of course, it's just a real, yeah, more almost more primal way of looking at. It. I'm just wondering, do do the Memphis Grizzlies, if you're a Warrior fan, do they scare you? Do the Memphis Grizzlies scare you? And I'll just say, to me, they don't scare me as much as they did before they played uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. One of the reasons is because we saw in some of these uh, comebacks by the Grizzlies, which were impressive. We saw Minnesota really fall apart in the half court when they were blowing leads and the pressure was put on Minnesota. They didn't know where to go offensively. Patrick Beverly tried to run the offense and Cat got shut down at times. And I don't think that's going to happen to the Warriors. The Warriors are not going to wonder, what do we do in the half court if it comes to that? But I'm just wondering, do the Grizzlies scare you? I don't know about you, J.D. I, they're, they're a really fun team to watch. It's been interesting to see them put this core together, which really they began in that terrible warrior season that shall not be named. That's really when this Grizzlies team started coming together, and then they added Bain. But do the Memphis Grizzlies, from a warrior standpoint, do they scare you? We know the Denver Nuggets didn't really scare anybody. Jokic did. I don't know, J.D., how do you look at that? I, I think they should, and, and I, would be, I would be careful – to look at the Minnesota series and think that that makes the Grizzlies less scary to the Warriors specifically. And and that doesn't mean that the Warriors can't win. I know we'll get our, our official predictions at some point here between now and, and 12 o'clock, and, and, and we can take those as well at, at 888-957-9570. Do the Grizzlies scare you? Great question posed by, by Whitey Gleason. Who's your X Factor? Uh, what's the biggest key for the Warriors to, to win this series? And uh, who you got? You know, Warriors Warriors or the Grizzlies and, and in how many games? I just think that the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies have maybe, I don't want to say looked ahead a little bit at, at that matchup because they've been so Warrior-focused in terms of some of the comments that, that, that they've made and, and the edge by which, I mean, it was on display in the last game that these teams played head-to-head, and I know that was a game at the end of a long road trip where the Warriors uh, turned it into a, a developmental game, although Andre Godala came back after missing some time in that game at, at FedEx Forum on March the 28th, and the Warriors were blown out. Grizzlies led by as many as 37. Uh, the outcome of that game, insignificant because the Warriors had essentially uh, rested their, their main players, Steph and, and Clay and, and, and obviously Draymond Green. But the, the one thing that stood out to me from that game was just how badly the Grizzlies wanted to just annihilate the Warriors, even <laughs> shorthanded as they were. The, the, the Grizzlies play the Warriors like they hate the Warriors. And I think, you know, can that at, at times, maybe they're a little too emotional. I think the Warriors, if they can play a calmer series, that that helps them. But I just think in terms of the matchups, the Grizzlies feel a lot more confident as semi-underdogs, as you pointed out early, with some of the, the physical advantages that they have against this team, and they want to take the Warriors out. So I, I think the Warriors are going to get a better version of the Grizzlies in this series than the Timberwolves got. So I'm, I'm a little reluctant 
to kind of answer that question. I'm reluctant to say, ah, well, the Grizzlies gave or, or the Timberwolves gave the Grizzlies a run. That makes the Grizzlies more vulnerable to the Warriors specifically. I just don't see it that way. Can the Warriors still win? Yes, but I just don't see it that way. Yeah, rebounding is going to be so important for the Warriors, especially if they continue to go with the smaller starting lineup. I'm sure you know this, but how how surprised were you to see who the Warriors' leading rebounder was in the last game? It's very unusual for Clay Thompson to lead the Warriors in rebounding. Wow. He had nine because, you know, he's like the small forward. Now Wiggins is your power forward if you're starting this Poole, Curry, Green, Wiggins, Thompson lineup. Yeah, I thought it, Wiggins had led the first four games of the series, but he didn't play enough in Game Five because Otto mm-hmm. Porter was playing so much, and so somebody else had to had to step in and and fill that void, and it and it wound up being Clay Thompson. But but you're right. I mean, that's exactly what the Warriors have to do if they are going to play that that small lineup. They're going to have to collectively rebound, and I think that means there could be some players that are unlikely leaders in the in the rebounding category uh, as as these series continue to to play out. Let, let's get Antonio and Oakland on the phone lines at 888-957-9570. Uh, Antonio, you're on 957 the game. I don't uh I don't fear the Grizzlies one bit, man. I mean, you know, John Moran, you know, he was struggling. If he struggles like that against the Warriors, we'll get out, get those brooms out, man. Like he didn't really dominate against the Minnesota Timberwolves. And in this series, he's going to have to guard uh, Curry, a Clay, or uh, Jordan Poole. You know, he can't hide on nobody in this series. You know, there's no Pat Bev on the, in the, with the Warriors. Even Gary Payton showed that he can, uh, you know, score and stuff. So I, I think the Warriors are really going to win at five, you know. Uh, and then the Grizzlies, they do play like they hate the Warriors. And Jaron Jackson, go right at him because he's the fouling master. That's all he does is foul. So I, I think that's going to be the X Factor, get him in foul trouble. And I can see Dylan Brooks and Draymond getting into it this series that's those are my predictions you guys it's good good it's good stuff (laughs) yeah dylan brooks wants all the smoke i mean he definitely has the he has the draymond gene of of the grizzlies players uh in in this series and on that team like he he brings that edge he mixes it up he isn't afraid to get a technical foul can toe the line and maybe cross the line at times which which can hurt his team but uh, yeah, I think yeah, Dylan Brooks is he's a he's a sixteen game player to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely he brings it, and he shot the three ball really well last night. Antonio brought up one of the most interesting questions, and there's so many interesting questions in the series. Uh, who is Jaw gonna guard? And I think you know and it, it's teams have ways now with with everybody switches everything that you can get around that but i it's possible and i think slates wrote about this you know they may put john wiggins because they are going to try to hide him to a degree and they don't want him garden pool they don't want him garden you know clay or steph so we may see a jaw uh garden wiggins and you know wiggins that's that's no easy assignment either no it it's not and it it plays into if if jaw is on wiggins do the warriors look to try and attack with Wiggins and does that take the Warriors out of what they normally would be doing and I think there's always that fine line when you try to match a specific player up with another player does a team go out of their way to try and exploit it maybe at their at their own detriment and so I think Mm -hmm. that's something that that could be in play there because the Grizzlies would would love and I know Wiggins has had some big games against the Grizzlies but I think the Grizzlies would love the Warriors to 
to try and you know make Andrew Wiggins be the the the, the key component of the offense because maybe that's the most attackable area of of their their defense yeah well you know how it is too I mean then you just have Wiggins go over and set a screen on Brooks or whoever's guarding Steph and then all of a sudden guess what Jock guess who you're guarding so we're gonna see that chess match as I said earlier going on and on uh, both ends of the floor just uh, again and I know I said this already just who's able to establish uh, a transition game is going to be so important because Memphis feasts on turnovers um, there are a couple of things Memphis does well that line up directly with some things the Warriors don't do especially well. Rebounding is 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 one of them, the offensive rebounding, and also the fact that Memphis needs to get out in transition and they feast on turnovers, and we know the Warriors turn the ball over a lot. So those are going to be keys. But as far as you know, your, your, your scarometer, how scared you are of the Grizzlies, for me, I think before this, this series with, with Minnesota, and I understand your point, J.D., um, but I think I had them around an eight or a nine. And now I think I have them closer to a six. But it sounds like Antonio's like zero. I'm not scared of the Grizzlies at all. Yeah, and I, I look. I think a majority of Warrior fans probably aren't, and I think there is a little bit of the, of the recency bias and and looking at the fact that they didn't look like the same Grizzlies team against Minnesota that that they've looked like in in the matchups where the Warriors have played them. Now I know Clay Thompson missed what three of the four games mm-hmm. against the the Grizzlies, and the one game that he played was his second game back on January the 11th. So he came back on January 9th against Cleveland, and the Warriors went on a road trip where they struggled uh, that that week in in the middle of January. But uh, he played, I think, 21 minutes in that game on January 11th and was a a 5 of 13. So I think... You know, Clay Thompson's in a much better place right now than than he was three and a half months ago when he was playing in, in that game. And that's, a, I, I think, a big-time X factor compared to not only the matchups this season, but, but even some of those matchups at the end of last season where the Grizzlies looked like the more dynamic team, uh, whether it was athletically or just you know scoring ability and the like. The, the Warriors have all their all their horses back now. And I think yeah. Clay missing a bunch of those games is, is akin to Draymond maybe missing some of the games against Denver. And we saw how, how big a factor Draymond was uh, in, in so many ways as he always is in the playoffs against the Nuggets. Yeah, this series in some ways reminds me of the Denver series and that Denver had all that success during the regular season against the Warriors, but it wasn't this Warrior team to the point you just made. And Memphis keenly aware of, yeah, they had some success against the Warriors, but not this Warrior team and the Warriors, especially the first few games against Denver's like, oh my goodness, it's the Warriors again. They're playing Warrior basketball at both ends of the floor in a way that we hadn't seen in years. And they what? wobbled a little bit after those first couple games, but that was really impressive. That's going to be very daunting for the Grizzlies as they get ready on short notice for this this game one. What did you make of, of the Warriors? Because that was something I jotted down. What, what did you make of the Warriors looking like the old Warriors in the first three games of the series but then as the, as the series waned in, in Game 4 and, and Game 5, progressively things got more difficult. It did look like the Nuggets were, were figuring some things out as the series went on. It, it wound up being way too little too late. But I, I look at Game 5, and I know I, I talked to a lot of Warrior fans, even some people at the station, just the way Game 5 looked uh, and the Nuggets only making six three-pointers. I mean, you could make a case – 
the the Nuggets probably should have won <laughs> Game Five. Yeah, I'm with and, you. Yeah. And we'd be yeah, and we and we'd be having a, a different conversation if the Warriors had had to play last night. Look, they didn't, and that's fine. But but I guess the the question is, I'll bring it back to the original original question, Whitey. The, the, it's you know, what did you make of the Warriors as the series went on? looking less effective and looking like the Nuggets as the series went on had figured out ways to to really compete and make life a lot more difficult on the Warriors than they had early on. There's there's two factors the way I see it that really contributed to that. One of them, which is the lesser of the two, is as we said, and as Steve Kerr talked about and Steph talked about, the Warriors were feeling a little bit of that pressure of, wow, this is a closeout situation. Um, and they were over anxious, especially that game four in Denver where they fouled so early and often. And then they dug a hole that they never were able to quite climb out of. Then they got back home with a chance to clinch. And they got behind and were able to rally. So I think there was some of that. They just lost their focus. But I think more importantly, Denver figured out, going back to what started with putting Gordon on on Jordan Poole, they got more physical. And, I, you know, they were allowed to. Uh, and so they stuck with it. But um, so you had Gordon on pool and, and that helped to take pool out of the out of the game. And he wasn't nearly as effective as he had been. He'd been such a big part of the Warriors uh, success early in the series. And then also you look at the rebounding numbers from that last game and uh, Denver out rebounded the Warriors in, in the final game, which, as we know, the Warriors won. But it was uh, 50 to 37. So I thought it was those two things. Warriors losing their focus a little bit. And then also Denver playing a much more physical style of basketball and knocking the Warriors off their stride. Let's get Austin in San Jose, 888-957-9570. Hey, Austin. Hey, fellas. How you doing, J.D.? And uh, why do you guys get a good show? as usual. Hey, uh, listen, a couple things. This is uh, going to be a fascinating uh, series for a lottery. I think that this is the one that Memphis wanted. I mean, as much as, yeah, I mean, T-Wolves played a great series. By the way, Pat Bev was really good, uh, Whitey, in the series as far as I'm concerned. But uh, I think they really – Memphis was looking at the Warriors. They had the Warriors circled. I think this is a series they wanted, frankly. And I think to to um, J.D.'s point, yeah, you can't take much – I don't think you can take much from the series in terms of how they're going to play uh, the Warriors. They're going to they're gonna come out on all cylinders um, with the Warriors. concern I have is the roster, the back end of the Warriors roster. Uh, I think that – I think the Memphis is more athletic. Um, they've got some guys that can step up in big moments. They've proved it. They're not fearful. Um, so that will be one of my concerns is the overall athleticism. And really, guys, it's going to come down to, to Lakeup and kind of his, you know, Joe Lightyear's statements and whether he, whether we believe that what he's constructed and what he keeps saying he's better than and smarter than everybody else, is that true? Because the back end of the roster didn't really get that much better. They didn't go out and get a big man. We can go on and on. So really, we're going to find out if what Joe Lakeup has been preaching is going to work, guys. Um, going forward. It's going to be fascinating. And final thing I'd say is, remember, I don't want to go negative. Remember, a lot of the veterans, I don't think, were sold on not going out and getting some help. So I think that we're going to see whether the big four, and I think they can, but can the big four pull this off? Because I don't think they have a lot of help on the back end. It's just me. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, thanks, Austin. Can the main guys carry the Warriors and lead the way? Do the Grizzlies have more playable players? I think at least going into this series, the Grizzlies have more playable players. The Warriors have more star power. But as series progress, that can change. And typically the team that wins a series renders more of the opponent's players 
unplayable for this. Either they can't make a shot and, and they're a liability or they can't defend somebody and they're a liability. Often, Whitey, that determines the outcome of, of these series and who wins. Yeah, a couple things. Uh, I agree with Austin about Patrick Beverly. He played really well. I said something disparaging about Patrick Beverly earlier. What I meant was, <laughs> no, I really, he did have a good series, but I think at times when they were forced – Minnesota was forced into the half court and they were trying to protect a lead. I think Patrick Beverly tried to fill that leadership void and tried to do some things that aren't really, you know, D'Angelo Russell should be running the offense. And I think Patrick Beverly tried to take it upon himself because he's been around a little while longer. And I think he was in a little over his head. He did have a really good series. I was defensively phenomenal. But the bench question is really um, the, the way Austin phrased it. What's really interesting to me about that, J.D., is we've talked so much this year about the two-timeline plan and how effective it was this year, and it looked like the Warriors were able to win while also developing the younger players. But now it's like you've got to have developed, especially Kuminga, to the point where he can help you in the postseason. And I hadn't really thought about that. It's a great point. We know that Poole has come along this year and got off to the great start in the playoffs. But now you're you're probably going to need something from Kuminga in this series. It's not just a matter of, hey, this youngster, he's not, you know, he's been through a season now. In a way, he's not a rookie anymore. So the two-timeline plan, which to this point has worked pretty well, I think it faces a real test here in this series because you need something from the guy. It's not just enough to have him out there and go, hey, look, he looked pretty good. So that's a, that's a really good point Austin made. Yeah, I mean, I think Kaminga in this series is is going to have to play more than he did, especially with Iguodala out for for at least the first two games. And 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 let's be honest, I mean, it, would it surprise you if Iguodala is just a, a non factor at all? Uh, you know, in this series, I I think that would be, I think that that is definitely something that's that's on the table. And so you look at it, the, the key question, just as far as the the rotation goes, you know, who what's the starting lineup? For you, Whitey, what's the what is the starting lineup uh, in this series? Do they continue to roll with Steph and Jordan Poole and Clay and Wiggins and Draymond? I think they go back to Looney, uh, and and I think they move with a couple of days to practice Jordan Poole back to the bench, and then at some point as the series plays out, you keep in in the back pocket, bringing Poole back into the fold and, and into the starting lineup. Uh, so I, I I feel like that's where the Warriors go, and then if if Poole's coming off the bench, Peyton and Porter, you know for sure, are going to play. And that's the eight right now. I think Bielitsa becomes more of a question mark as, as the nine. And without Iguodala, uh, and, and with Bielitsa being a question mark, Kaminga starts to force his way in where, where maybe he was the 11th, and now he could be, I think, as high as ninth, which would get him into a, a lot, if not all, of, of these games in this series. I agree with you, and I would have started uh, Looney in the last game, and they won, so it's fine. And they obviously, Coach Kerr knows knows what he's doing, but I'm with you, especially given what we've just been talking about and the need for the Warriors to get some production off the bench. Jordan Poole, we know, is capable of that. So I'm I, assuming that he's okay with it. And again, with him, it's not just a matter of if he's able to intellectually understand, yeah, I get it, I, I'm coming off the bench, but it's just a different rhythm. You know, I think people say, well, he's just got to accept it. I think it's possible that a player can accept it but still struggle because the rhythms are totally different coming off the bench. Assuming he can do that, we know that he can do it because he's done it before, did it, you know, towards the end of last year, then I think the Warriors need that from him. That's one of the ways he can really help this roster if you can get production from Poole coming off 
the bench. And Iguodala is an interesting case. Uh, you know, he just got destroyed by Cousins um, in game four, and he probably shouldn't have been on him. You know, we saw it was sad. It was hard to watch. It just to me, it's one of my uh, images of where's Iguodala right now. Well, that's where he is. But I do think that they, they're going to miss early on his steadying influence uh, on the offense. But again, Poole and Peyton, if they can play well together in the backcourt when they need to, I think that's going to ease the, the the fact that you're not going to have Iguodala in at least these first couple games. He's Whitey Gleason. I'm John Dickinson. 888-957-9570. That is the phone number to give us a call or shoot us a text. We're going to be with you until noon here on 95.7 The Game, getting you ready for the Warriors and the Grizzlies. Game one tomorrow afternoon as the Warriors are going to go uh, to Memphis later today, scheduled to have a practice in San Francisco this morning uh, in about the next hour before hopping on a plane. A little bit of a, a change-up. The Warriors typically, when they go two time zones away, Whitey will fly and then practice, but I think just given the unique nature of not knowing the opponent, uh, mm-hmm. as the Warriors did not until about 9 o'clock last night, and you know, it, it makes it made more sense to to practice here now that they know the opponent fly with the early game as well uh, tomorrow. So a little bit of a, an out of order uh, in terms of the logistics uh, component to this for the Warriors compared to traditionally how they would do things if they were going to that that central time zone. Yeah, tough, tough turnaround, especially for the Grizzlies. And I know you saw it last night in Jaw, and he talked about it quite a bit after the game. Like, uh, you know, he was putting his head down on the podium during the, the post game because he was so tired. And he was asked, What are you going to do tonight? I'm going to go to sleep. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> so, you know, uh, the Warriors have a chance uh, to steal home court, as we said. Real quick, this is something I've been thinking about this week. Um, I, as I said, and as we've discussed, I was a little, little surprised to see the Warriors struggle with the weight of closing as much as they did, given that they've won championships. But I know it's a little bit of a different uh, team. It got me to thinking, have I ever seen that before from a team with a championship pedigree? Two teams came to mind, J.D. Uh, you go back to 1984, the Lakers, who had won in 80, they'd beaten Philly and they won in 82 again. So they had won multiple championships with Kareem and Magic. And then in 84, they played the Celtics. And, and they hadn't they beaten caved. them yet. Yeah, they, <laughs> they caved. They won the first game. Game two, they collapsed and Magic didn't realize this game was uh, tied. He thought they were ahead and they lost that series. And then they, of course, they rebounded, won more championships. But you could see that, wow, the weight of, uh, you know, playing Boston weighed on them. And then the Spurs in 2013 with all their championship pedigree, remember they're playing the Heat and they're rolling the trophy out because they were. it was like, well, the Spurs are going to win. And then they couldn't make a free throw and they ended up losing that game. And then the next game, they won the next year. So it does happen. And those are teams that collapse. The Warriors haven't collapsed yet. They could still win, but it's rare to see. But as I thought about it, I realized it's, it's not – you know, it's, it's not unprecedented for a team with championship pedigree uh, to still feel the weight, even though you've won multiple championships, of trying to take care of your business here. We saw that with the Warriors. Hopefully they're over that hump. Yeah, and especially, I think, with what's going on as far as the Warriors uh, with the, the three-year gap in, in yes. between yes. all of the meaningful games. Yes, a lot of the players are the same. Yes, these players have that, that championship pedigree, as you mentioned, but the three-year gap with essentially completely new role players 
I think made the Warriors a little uneasy, even in that first yep. round series where they had so many advantages uh, over the Nuggets. Why do you think that's a, a great, great point? Uh, one hour down, we got two hours to come. Do you are, are you? Did the Grizzlies scare you? Why do you ask the question? It's a good one. Who starts in this series for the Warriors? Does Looney go back in? Does Jordan Poole come off the bench? Your X Factor, your predictions, 888-957-9570. It is Warriors This Week with John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason. We roll on here on 95.7 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 